This is the Doctor Who podcast. You are most welcome. Hello and welcome to issue 69 of the Doctor Who podcast. In this issue we will be talking about the massive, the incredible, the fantastic, big finish. Alright, bring it on. Well I feel like after being introduced as issue 69 I should be rustling some paper or... <laughs> printing something out. Um, welcome, everyone, to episode 69. Hello, Tom. Hello, James. Hello, Trey. Hey, hey. Hello, Tom. Good to be back in the caravan once again. Feels like it's been a very, very long time since we've just sat down and uh, had a good old chat about Doctor Who. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's good to be here. Mm. So, right, that was a suitably dramatic opening, Tom, as well, I have to say, because today we are going to be talking all about audio drama. We're going to be talking about the absolute, well, institution that is Big Finish Productions. We're going to be looking at how they got started. We're going to be looking at the way that they market and the way they kind of advertise their wares, if you like, and whether or not Doctor Who fans should take a look at what Big Finish actually do if they don't already. And this is such a such a big subject. It really is very difficult to know where to start. So I guess, in the words of Julie Andrews, we'll start at the very beginning. Mm. Big Finish got started all the way back in 1999. Yeah, they've been going for 12 years now. And just to try and put it into a little bit of context in terms of the timing, three years ago, we'd just had the Paul McGann movie. And there was a lot of uncertainty following a broadcast of that here in the UK as to whether or not we were going to get a pilot series or whether we were going to get six or seven episodes with Paul McGann. And everyone within Fox and involved in the production of that one-off special were particularly reticent about announcing anything. So Doctor Who fans were kind of left in limbo. And it was about late 1998, I believe, that there was a very small little announcement in Doctor Who magazine. There was no kind of fanfare. It was just to say that there's going to be a brand new audio company set up by a bunch of people who've been producing Doctor Who audios completely unlicensed who have somehow managed to get the BBC to agree to use past Doctors in brand new licensed Doctor Who audios. And they kind of got going in a very, very low-key way. And no one really knew about Big Finish Productions until they'd been going for about a year or so. Now, Trev and Tom, I mean, this was a long time ago, long before we knew each other, and long before we were doing podcasts, probably long before podcasts existed. Mm. Uh, but what were your memories, if indeed you had any, of, of The Sirens of Time, Phantasmagoria, the really early Big Finish plays? Well, I'll be honest, I, I came upon Big Finish maybe just as the new series was starting, so very late. Um, as oh, a, right, okay. Because, because a friend told me about it, and I, 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 as, as you rightly say, it was very, very low-key. Um, but so, so I literally, I think there was something like, something like 70 or 80 plays in existence when I first got hold of them. So I, I, I did sort of sit down, emptied out the bank account, and just absorbed all of this stuff and it was it was phenomenal um but, but of course sirens of time was the first one and i thought oh great a multi-doctor story so listen to that and lapped it up um but mostly because 
as the tagline says, it's uh, classic Doctors, new stories. And when it comes to it, that's really all that I think a lot of hardcore Doctor Who fans want. You know, we want to have memories, our memories of, of the old Doctors, and our memories of being children, or our memories of first coming across uh, uh, our favourite Time Lord, bolstered and expanded, which is what Big Finish do so incredibly well. So when I, so when I first came across it, it was like literally like walking into an Aladdin's cave and thinking... <gasps> Good Lord, it's not other actors sitting in. It's not people messing about with continuity, although we can probably talk about that later. Um, mm, it's the original yes. actors telling brand new stories in a way that I, I absolutely fell in love with. Well, well, for me personally, um, I, I found Big Finish very, very early on because we were in the throes of uh, the uh, Brisbane Doctor Who fan club at the time. And Big Finish was leapt upon, I think, by local fans as a way to enjoy Doctor Who because we've been enjoying the uh, Virgin New Adventures for many years with the Seventh Doctor. And and this seemed to be a natural progression from that, that we were hearing, I suppose, a more, I don't know, valid, authentic way of enjoying Doctor Who stories in, in audio format because we were hearing the Seventh Doctor, we were hearing the Sixth Doctor, we were hearing the Fifth Doctor rather than just reading the words on the page. So um, stories like Sirens of Time the inaugural Big Finish audio featuring all three Doctors who uh, were contributing to the range at that time was, was an absolute godsend. And then mm. from there, you know, enjoying the various Doctors in progression, I suppose throughout that first year or so, was, was absolutely fantastic. Mm. It, it's interesting that you refer to the Virgin New Adventures there because the kind of strapline on the back of every single Virgin New Adventure was adventures that are too wide and too detailed and too mm. broad for mm. the teleseries. I mean, I'm paraphrasing there. But Big Finish really took that on board. And rather than look at the audio medium as a restriction because you don't have pictures, they completely embrace that theory and decided to take Doctor Who to a place that it hadn't been before whilst completely retaining the spirit of the classic series and they'd done that in such a brilliant way and they didn't do it instantaneously they didn't do it instantaneously I think if you listen to Sirens of Times it's very much both the three Doctors Baker, McCoy and Davison relearning how to play the Doctor. And yeah, when you hear their interviews, they all say, oh, I just fell straight back into it. There was no real trouble. It's like I hadn't been away. That really isn't the case. Um, Mm. Certainly not from a listener's point of view. It takes them a good few audios to really find the characters once again. And once they found the characters, and Davison, for instance, let's say within the very first um, story, Sirens of Time, he's in a submarine in the middle of World War Two. And, you know, it's just stuff that we had never seen on the Teddy series before. Um, and it was also a case where we, we had no new Doctor Who at all. So to have something that was brand new, created in the spirit of the classic series that we were missing so much at that point, and probably didn't really believe it was ever going to come back on the telly, then it was an absolute godsend. And I have to say, I absolutely leapt, to use your word, Trev, on, on Big Finish as well, um, right from day one. And uh, ever since, I've, I own every single um, mm. release in the main range now. But, oh, I um, know, James. You're, you're, you're a massive proponent of the Big Finish range. And, and it's something that I always remember Stan Lee, who, who, who was a mm. you know one of the early comic pioneers, said one of the early criticisms of comics was, oh, why would you read a comic? It doesn't fire your imagination. And I think the, the audios do the same thing comics do. They, they fire your imagination in a very different way. That, um, 
you know, with Big Finish or any here in the audio, but you really still have to fill in a lot of blanks yourself. You you have to visualize a lot of the stuff that's happening between your ears with the audio. And it's, yeah. it's the same way with books. What you're reading on the page, you have to visualize into some sort of form. So audios to me have always been just as fantastic as the new adventure and missing adventure ranges because, yeah. you know, they you still need to fill in the blanks somewhere. I think when audio drama is done really well, then, yeah, it does. It does suffer a little bit when the stories aren't as strong and don't create such a vivid a picture in your mind. Then it's easier to come out of the story than it would be if you're actually watching it on television. But just to continue the theme of having a much wider palette if you like to paint with you look at the first story you've got a multi-doctor story set on Gallifrey with lots of spaceships and lots of aliens and stuff again that we hadn't seen done really really convincingly on that many occasions in a classic series the second story you went back to Victorian London and the audio and soundscape of, of London then just took you there it was absolutely superb the third story they created an audio monster. So in other words, this story would not have actually worked on television because you couldn't see the monster, you know? I know you can have invisible monsters, but the way that this was written, it was deliberately written for audio. The fourth plate, they go to Alaska. So it's, you see, already right from the outset, they had it in their minds to try and take Doctor Who to places that it had never been before. Well, there there is a favourite phrase uh, in audio drama that, pictures in radio are far better than they could be on TV and that's absolutely true because each individual uh, listener or each each member of the audience is free to create their own visual set landscape within their own heads part one part two is that's actually very very helpful for people who for actors uh, who don't maybe look as they used to uh, as they play their roles. So I'm thinking, not in a nasty way, but I'm thinking particularly of Colin Baker, who, who has physically changed since he played the Doctor uh, in the late 80s. But as soon as we get into audio, and this leads into something else, actually, as soon as we get into audio, he is the 1980s Doctor Who. He is Colin Baker. He is in the multicolour jacket. And I think you know that, that, that his costume is something that's very important because it's continually referenced in a lot of the audios about that jacket. And we don't have to work to see you just see it mm. on, top, on top of that for a show that's turning back time we've got this incredible opportunity for people to reinvent themselves and for no one is this more true or more valuable i think than that dreadfully underserved character of the sixth doctor colin baker has been able to show exactly where he was going with this and he's been a brilliant actor with it too we know that coming up we've got um, the lost stories and we've had stories like leviathan in the last year as well where the, where the clock has been properly turned back and he's playing the version of the Doctor he was playing way back in the 80s forgetting about all the development that yeah. he's done over the last 10 years mm. um, so for Colin Baker I think it's an absolute godsend because he's, he's been able to demonstrate exactly how strong an actor he was how good that sixth, the character of the Sixth Doctor was going to be and by default he's done it he's, you know we see how strong that Sixth Doctor actually is on top of that Bonnie Langford she, you know, she suffers from that terrible thing where people are, are very reticent to forget her early career but on when she does the big finish stuff, the stuff that she's done to date, 
But uh, Mel emerges as an incredible, a very, very worthy companion, a wonderful thing. I mean, um, we, we, I think you talked to Clayton Hickman about the One Doctor. If you guys, if you've not heard anything, listen to the One Doctor. It's brilliant. Number one, it's a great Sixth Doctor adventure. But number two, Mel comes out of it incredibly well. You know, she is a strong, mm. intelligent. She, you put it this way, she, you, you can now believe that she is actually a computer programmer rather than rather than being a screamer. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Well, it's certainly an interesting point that you make there. There's about two things that I wanted to mention. I think, yeah, definitely, Colin Baker was um, brought back on the basis that he could develop the Sixth Doctor mm. in mm. the way that um, that he had very, very clearly in his mind. And I think you have to consider the, the reason why he had such a fixed idea of how he wanted to play the Sixth Doctor was because he believed, rightly, I thought as well, he was so badly served during his TV tenure. So oh, by the was. time, you know, 1999 came round, and, you know, this is like 15 years, um, cl- closing on 15 years since Colin Baker had played a Doctor on telly, he knew precisely what he wanted to do with that character. Mm. And the Doctor that we have today on Big Finish, the sixth Doctor that we have today on Big Finish, is there because of what an abrasive and argumentative character uh, the sixth Doctor was. And, you know, Colin had discussions with Gary Russell and uh, others at Big Finish as well and said, for example, absolutely under no circumstances am I saying things three times. You know, I'm not going to come up with the same expression in triplicate and shout the last iteration of it. (laughs) And he created such a brilliant Sixth Doctor and such a believable and likeable and, well, quite frankly, a really nice chap in his audio portrayal of the Sixth Doctor. He was able to go back and revisit his abrasive Doctor as on the television screen in the Lost Stories. And not only are those now good stories to listen to, because clearly we missed out on seeing them on TV, but we get a really big nostalgia trip by hearing the Colin Baker um, that we saw on TV between 84 and 86. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's certainly one very, very valid point um, that you make there, Tom. Um, And and secondly, Bonnie Langford, once again, uh, I, I think there must be a desire from some of the actors who are on the show originally, like Bonnie Langford, to come back and say, well, actually, look, I can act. You know, give me yeah. a good script, give me a bit of depth, and uh, I can come up with a relatively convincing portrayal. And I think it's not just Bonnie Langford who's been served by that. It's pretty much every companion who has come back uh, to act alongside their doctor or um, or when they've had doctor mix-ups, you know, like the Fraser Hines with... Um, Colin Baker has taken the character of Jamie and developed him in a way that simply wasn't possible in the 1960s. Hmm. And as crazy fanboys, that kind of stuff is absolute gold to us. It's um, mm. it, I, I often thought that you know if the TV series never came back and if Big Finish got cancelled, I would at least have you know ten Big Finish plays. You know, this is in obviously 2000 that no one can take away from me and they're brand new Doctor Who stories Mm. uh, that I never thought I was going to get. So, you know, I I, I actually get quite nostalgic when I think about the beginnings of Big Finish and and how things have evolved to the point of an absolute production house that they're at now. It's interesting you guys talk about, um, you know, the way they've continued on with, I suppose, the legacy and spirit of the televised series. One of the things I think I love about Big Finish 
just from a purely fanboy point of view, is the way they've created their own continuity. And, I mean, I hate to harp on the Six Doctor era again because I think that's where the goal really lies with the Big Finish range, but I think one of the most incredible creations of the Big Finish range is the companion Evelyn Smythe. Yep. I think that's really one well. of the, you know, the pinnacles of um, what they've done and gone and created their own continuity. And, you know, there are many more examples. I mean, just with Evelyn Smythe, we've got a character that's in human terms physically older than the Doctor. So it's almost like a mother hen character, the Sixth Doctor. And when you look at the dynamic that that creates, that's exactly what the Sixth Doctor needs. It needs Mm. a, a, a companion that doesn't nag from a younger point of view, I suppose, but needs that elder role in there to tell the Doctor what to do to a certain extent and to be that calming figure. Mm. But I really think that Big Finish had done some fantastic um, continuity creations. I mean, we've got the uh, companion for the uh, Fifth Doctor, the Egyptian Princess, who Arimem. I'm sure you guys will remind me. That's it, Arimem. Caroline um, Morris, yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, she, she, she's a fantastic creation for the... Uh, Fifth Doctor, I think, because she complements him so well in so many ways. And, you know, there are so many more examples of what Big Finish has done with their range. And, you know, they've realised, okay, the show isn't coming back. We've got to do what we've got to do and forge ahead on our own. And for many, many years there, that's what they did brilliantly. With with Evelyn Smythe in particular, um, she is an interesting character. And she was created by Gary Russell before before Gary Russell even got Big Finish off the grounds with a financial backing from Jason Hay Gallery. He had a list of things that he wanted to do, and to give Colin Baker an elder companion was very very high up that list. So Evelyn Smythe is very very much a Gary Russell creation. However, I think it would be wrong to assume that she kind of stopped there. Now, I think Stephen Moffat has had a massive input into the character of Evelyn Smythe, and you might wonder how, but you look at the non-linear fashion Evelyn's story has been told throughout Big Finish. Um, Most recent example is Death in the Family, and without going into detail about that story, things happen out of order. And I don't think that is something that Big Finish had even contemplated doing on a serious level i mean they played around with it with uh, the release flip-flop that you could really you know listen to either cd um in either order and the story still made sense that was quite timey-wimey if you like Mm. but i think you look at the way evelyn's character is developed all the way from the marion conspiracy which was the sixth release the big finish ever released all the way up to to current and present day and you can still we're still going to hear Evelyn's stories in the future, and I, I think she's an excellent example of what an audio companion can do within the boundaries available to Big Finish. I would disagree with Caroline Morris's character, though. I think um, the Egyptian was probably not well thought out, oh, and not only well. that. Well, Peter Davison had had one or two well he had two television stories with Nicola Bryant and he only had one where it was just the two of them and so what do they do they dilute a pretty much unexplored dynamic with a quite to start with quite a cardboard character I mean the way she went out of the series I think was very good and she certainly developed but when you compare Erimem to Evelyn, then it's Evelyn for me every single time. 
as we're talking about development, there is a there is a major character who's absolutely blossomed in Big Finish. It's probably so obvious that we've missed him. Um, the Eighth Doctor. He only had one story on TV, <laughs> but, but he lives in audio. Colin Baker, fair enough, you're absolutely right. He had the chance to actually develop his character, but Paul McGann has had the opportunity to be the Doctor in audio, um, mm. and it's wonderful to hear the timeline going from his first few stories to the last story, which I listened to. Um, to the death, which is just yeah. phenomenal. And I think it embodies all of the things that we've talked about so far. Um, we've talked about scale. We've talked about effect. We've talked about development. And in and to be honest, by the time we get to the end of To the Death, we've got a version of the Doctor who is ready to fight the Time War. He is not a happy man. But also yeah, inside that, yeah. we've got, you know, you mentioned um, Maggie Stables and Evelyn Smythe being a, being a fantastic actress. Absolutely true, but I've got to be honest. If I had to pick a single character, a single new companion to to say this, you're going to ha- say Lucy Miller. I am going to say Lucy Miller. <laughs> How brilliant is she? And there's not even. A, and, and to be honest, yeah. as we record today, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that this is a world class actress. She's just been given an Olivier Award. Um, she is raw talent. She has done all of the TV. She has done the stage work. She's now working with Trevor Nunn, and she is Lucy Miller. Um, listeners, if you've not listened to any big finish please go out and find any of the, any of the stories which feature Lucy Miller I would say uh, you know James obviously can make a recommendation but Sheridan Smith what an amazing an amazing character the final thing I'd say about this mm. because I don't want to drag it out too long uh, I'm guessing that everyone's seen uh, Time Crash that amazing uh, story with uh, Peter Davison and David Tennant. What you might notice is that there were some people who said that Peter Davison was playing the Doctor out of character. He's absolutely not. What he's doing is he's playing the Doctor as he plays it in Big Finish, which is older, wiser, more frustrated. When Matt Smith says at the beginning of uh, the 11th hour, oh, I've got a face that people ignore again. The fifth Doctor was putting up with that all the way through that incarnation. And by the time we listen to him in Big Finish, he's got old, he's got weary, and he's got, I would say angry, but he's got certainly quite grumpy. And when you see him against the other yeah, Doctors... absolutely. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you watch televised stories like Enlightenment, mm. we have a Doctor in that that's very frustrated, very annoyed, very angry. So I, I don't think there's anything I've noticed in, in Davison's Big Finish portrayal that I go, oh, that's not right, mm. or that, that's not correct. It's all it, it all has seeds yeah. within the televised stories. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I all, all three actors and I'm, I'm using the main actors because Davison, McCoy and Baker are the three who have done the most work with Big Finish, clearly, but all three of those have had massive character developments. I mean we, we focused clearly on Colin Baker's because his is the most stark. Davison, you're quite right, Tom, he's definitely got more grumpy and more frustrated. <laughs> and as they've done that as they've developed it, they've realised the potential for comic genius within Peter Davison. And you listen to um, stories like Nev Fountain's Kingmaker, and once again, you've got a very <laughs> frustrated, grumpy Fifth Doctor in a ridiculous scenario, and you get a story that is quite unique for the Fifth Doctor. You wouldn't get that on television, mm. because they couldn't really write a comic script around the way Davison portrayed the Doctor in his early years. Um, so that's that's certainly true of Davison. And even McCoy has mm. gone... There's about three different timelines in McCoy's time at Big Finish. 
and there was some time when he's traveling alone when he's very competitive you know there's actually a story that features the changing of the tardis from the white interior into the the, the um console room that we see in the um tv movie and the doctor that is in that story complements the kind of mood of the tv movie absolutely perfectly it's dark it's gothic and uh, the doctor you can imagine with long hair and it it, it just works really really well and this is the kind of detail that you get within big finish that quite simply the tv series that comes back he's not able uh to do they've got absolutely Mm. no desire to do either um and as a result you've got so many intricate layers of story arc upon story arc upon story arc that has gone on for years and uh trev i know this is something that you've um not necessarily struggled with but you certainly noticed that there are some plays, if you just pick it up and listen to, there's so many bits that remain unexplained and you have to go back sometimes for about four or five years to find the story that set up this brand new story. And I think some fans will find that frustrating, others will find it intriguing. And I think the reason why Big Finish do it is to try and make certain, once they've got their grips into a listener that they feel that they need to understand everything. Therefore, they actually Mm. go back Mm. and buy some old stories. And Big Finish are quite commercially astute, um, I think, in the way that they sell their wares to a very, very niche market. But um, that's that's a whole other topic. Um, But I find it interesting is that the way the Doctors have developed is based pretty much on the way Big Finish does business. Yeah, same here, same here. I mean, I'm I'm very much with with what you're saying, James, that when I listen to a Big Finish audio and they start layering the continuity references in, I'm either incredibly annoyed because I haven't listened to the story or I don't understand what's going on, or I'm intrigued to go back and listen to the past stories. Now, what breaks it for me is, um, I suppose, when they put in these references, where I have to go to actually link those references in. Um, It's interesting sometimes because they will reference stories from years and years ago in current releases, but sometimes what they've done, and I think is a lot more commercially astute, is they will run like a trilogy of stories, which will be, I suppose, almost like a bottle universe type of thing. So they'll reference within those particular audios which have been released within three months of each other, rather yeah. than referencing a story that someone might have listened to four years ago. I mean, I might have listened to it back then, but am I going <laughs> to remember it? No way in the world. But there's Some probably people a, do. <laughs> but, but there's probably a pretty fair chance I'm going to understand and remember a story I listened to maybe two months ago. But I don't know. It, it's, it's interesting what, what Big Finish do. Just an example of that, and the, the, I mean, Tom referenced the McGann or the Lazy series of Eighth Doctor plays a little while ago. There was a play in that, I'm not sure if the pair of you have listened to yet, called Deimos. And yes. Deimos is one of Mars's moons. Now, a few years ago, earlier in the Eighth Doctor run, there was another story called Phobos, which is the other moon that. <laughs> that um, orbits mars so that's just an example of something very 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 small and completely irrelevant in terms of storytelling terms but that's the way big finish link their plays and they know that doctor who fans particularly really really enthusiastic doctor who fans 
will actually go and search out the most minuscule continuity references and that's how it links into their marketing strategy because if you feel that you're not actually understanding as much as you could if you buy something else uh, that was released a couple of years ago then you feel as if you're missing out and Mm. one of my complaints is that they've done exactly that with bringing back um, Carol Ann Ford and the last three or four stories with the eighth doctor and that they've developed the doctor's family by bringing in Jake McGann as the doctor's great great grandson you know you cannot listen to one of those plays in isolation and completely understand what is going on and it's a major criticism of mine I think and uh, because well because they, they they insist on making it such a major event now what I would love to have seen is just a, a single self-contained nice little Doctor Who story with with Susan Foreman with the Doctor you never got that you always had one story setting up another story that set up what was eventually the finale of the latest Eighth Doctor um, run and that has been written in such a way that clearly Nick Briggs is so desperate to emulate Russell T. Davis storytelling. It's epic, it's big, you chuck in the kitchen sink. And I know Tom will disagree with me, but because of that, everything became diluted. It was was just a a big event audio. And I just didn't... I, I just wished... Nick Briggs didn't put RTD up there as a role model, really. Go on, go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> right, do you know what? You're absolutely right. I, comp- I totally disagree with you. Oh, Big you. Finish, as, uh, without wanting to be nasty about it, could clear- easily be regarded as being the poor cousin to the TV series. But in To the Death, you've got um, characters that you care about going through immense change and when and I don't again I don't I, I have no wish to spoil this for anybody that wants to go on the particular journey um, in fairness you do need to get spend time with the characters you do need to listen to to, to several audios but by the time you get to the last 10 minutes of To the Death it's big it's epic it's fantastic and I'm struggling to think and this is not a criticism of you James but, but it's maybe something about Doctor Who fandom in general uh, or at least a section of fandom I'm struggling to see any other f- how can how can a fan of a show be upset they've got something big how can a fan of a show be upset they've got something that's emotionally affecting how can how can a fan Tom, of a show be, be upset Tom, about the quality of this stuff I, I agree with you totally <laughs> but but <laughs> but I think Big Finish are writing these epic stories mm. thinking they're being released on a weekly basis like Doctor Who TV series is. Mm. I, I think those sort of revelations work fantastically when you're seeing stuff week by week and I think it comes back to what the listeners remember. But when, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but even these Eighth Doctor stories are being released monthly, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think we're stretching even the most feverant Doctor Who fans' memories to their limit <laughs> if they're expecting to remember events that happened last month or even the month before or even the month before that. Mm. They're mm. writing stuff thinking that people are going to be watching it weekly like they do with the TV series, but when you're stretching a story over, I suppose, the latest McGann series would be for close to a year... Um, mm how are they able to maintain that dramatic emphasis? Mm. It, it's difficult. I think they do achieve it because I think they get some people just sit there and listening to all of them 
you know, after they've been released. So they don't sit there and listen to them one at a time, one at a time. Um, but but you are fundamentally correct, I think, um, in, in as much as Big Finish try and do things big and bold. And with the McGann series, that's always been used as a kind of experimental range. Since the 2005 series came back, Big Finish thought, right, we've got to try and tune into this kind of format. And which Doctor have they used to do that? McGann. That's where you got the shorter, more punchy stories, the much more emotional stories. And you can hear Russell T. Davis dripping through most of the scripts that um, Nicholas Briggs writes. You know, it's clear that he's learned a lot from RTD. The big constraints that Briggs doesn't have is that he can you know, decide to do something fairly major within a character's life um, that Russell T. Davis has said many, many times that he wasn't going to go near. And I don't think that's giving too much away there. (laughs) Well, maybe it is, I'm not sure. But I don't think it always works on such a dramatic basis. I can only get to a climax about Doctor Who (laughs) on so many occasions. And you look at the four series, they've just gone bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger at the end of each series. And I know that's what modern TV series do. You don't need to do it on every single occasion uh, within an audio drama that you know is going to be returning fairly soon anyway. And I think they've actually acknowledged that. And the, the, the eighth Doctor run has come to an end now. There's going to be no more series. It's going to fit back into the trilogy Good. Um, format, along with the other three Doctors as well. And I'm actually going to welcome that quite a bit because mm. I, I used to enjoy the four-parter Paul McGann kind of classic format um, stories. I've enjoyed mm. the ride with Lucy Miller and, and this particular brand and format of, uh, of Doctor Who. I particularly enjoyed it. I think it was with the third series where they did release... Um, the McGann episodes once a week because that was the gap year so they decided to try and fill the gap and have a month uh, a weekly release and it worked then it worked a lot better then than it did as you say Trev this last series of 10 stories the very first episode was released in Christmas 2009 mm. and we're just getting to the end of it now and you know you've got to be looking at rich wealthy fans to invest in that franchise and to remember what happened in the early plays. And some of those early plays, because there was too many of them, I felt, really did suffer in quality because of it. So, you know, it it really is debatable as to whether or not they've done something good here or, or, or whether it's just an experiment that some people will judge a success and others a failure. Exactly, James. I, I think returning again to the, I suppose, one-off episodes of the normal monthly range will... Uh, benefit the big finish range a lot more because um, while I suppose they've done three or four story arcs with the Davison Doctor, with the Sixth Doctor, they really haven't been major event stories. They've they've been interesting in themselves, but they haven't been major, I suppose, landmarks like what they've tried to do with the previous series of uh, McGann. So, um, yeah, it, it's... It's interesting the way Big Finisher, I suppose, have marketed Doctor Who to a certain extent. Um, I think they need to broaden their outlook and, I suppose, produce more self-contained stories that are exciting in themselves rather than having to rely on stories that are released three or four months later in certain aspects. Mm, No, I I think that's probably true. And the one thing about Big Finish is that they do listen to their fans. I mean, when you, I mean, you're at panels with me, Trevor Gallifrey, and you've got Jason Hay Gallery on stage with a notebook. 
writing down all of the suggestions that are coming mm. up from the floor mm. and uh, th- there were plenty of suggestions and this is one element of fandom that there really isn't any any other comparison for because you can sit there and say i quite like to see i don't know henry gordon jay go with the fourth doctor now please mr big finish which incidentally i would love um, mm. and uh, you've actually got a possibility of it happening now if you if you decide to send in a note to Mr Moffat and say oh go on let's bring back Fraser Hines as Jamie I think the chances of that happening are pretty slim shall we say but Big Finish do engage with their fans and their market in a very unique way and that's something I think Nicholas Briggs has really brought to the company much more so than Gary Russell it has to be said and Gary Russell left in 2006 to go up into Cardiff uh, Nicholas Briggs came along and actually reversed a number of decisions that Gary Russell had made. And as a result, we've had a lot more, much more fan-driven stories. We've had the Four Doctors, which again, something um, Gary Russell wasn't keen on doing multi-doctor stories. Hence the reason you got the absolute mess that Zagreus. And uh, it's kind of it's trying to satisfy the desire within fandom and also trying to stick to his principles of not doing a multi-doctor story properly. It just didn't work, didn't satisfy anyone. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really pleased Nicholas Briggs is at the helm of Big Finish, and they've been joined relatively recently by a chap that you've met, Tom, a, a, a Mr. David Richardson, who's the line producer um, of uh, the Companion Chronicles, Jago and Lightfoot, and a few other bits and pieces at Big Finish. And you had the relatively recent pleasure of um, of interviewing him, didn't you? I did, I did. Um, a, a truly splendid fellow, and. Uh, for anyone that's list- that listens to Big Finish, then you'll know at the end of each story, or or sometimes actually even halfway through the discs, um, that David will chair a discussion with the principal actors, with the director, uh, sometimes with the writer as well. So you get it's almost like a Big Finish confidential uh, thing going on, which is which for me is always interesting to hear about the actors' process, to hear about the writers' process, uh, and I think I-, I get the feeling that he hadn't himself been interviewed so much because he was he's a genuinely warm man uh, and seemed to warm to the questions quite well but you know uh, as 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 a very famous rockumentary says enough of my yakking let's hear from the man himself Right, I'm very lucky to be here at the Big Finish Studios with David Richardson, who is the producer uh, for this particular show. Um, David, I should start with a simple question. What's the role of a producer? What's the role of the producer? Um, mm. Well, the, the job I was hired for, the job that I do full-time, is line producer at Big Finish, which is basically, I guess, being in charge of the schedule, keeping an eye on what... Well, is it basically being there from the discussion of what we're going to make... Uh-huh how we're going to make it, getting the scripts organised, keeping track of what's in studio, what's got to be in studio, what's in post-production. Mm. So, I mean, generally the job is looking in 72 directions at the same time. Wow. So basically my head at the minute has got everything in it from what's coming out next month to what's coming out in 2012. Mm. Mm. So, um on top of that, um, I'm also creatively in charge of The Lost Stories, The Companion Chronicles, and Jago and Lightfoot. Um, so the, the, generally, um, the Doctor Who canon, um, the monthly range, mm. um, the spin-off series like The Eighth Doctor Adventures, oh, yeah. um, Nick Briggs is in creative control of all that, and with script editor Alan Barnes, um, they 
come up with all the stories and work through the scripts and everything. So that that's their baby, mm. and I help out on that in a sort of um, organisational capacity. Well, this is this is the thing. As I arrived today, I noticed that you, you were busy sorting out uh, or oh, okay in copy mm. for I've, I've seen you marshalling actors and being very much a, a very was it controlling a very organisational presence. So yeah, far I did as well. I mean that the organisational side of Big Finish is enormous. I mean that. Mm. I don't think looking in from the outside you'd see all the things that have to be done on a daily basis mm. from all the contracts for everybody involved in, in um, any production or the stages of approval that mm. storylines and scripts and final edits go through um, and keeping everything on track in terms of schedule is, yeah, it's a, it's a huge job but I, it's hugely rewarding as well I should ask, before we get into Doctor Who and talking about the Big Finish range, what was your background? What were you doing immediately before this? Um, crikey. Um, immediately before this, I was working in publishing. Um, I was working for a company called Visual Imagination and working on genre magazines like Starburst oh. and uh, editing a magazine called Ultimate DVD. Mm. And before that, a long time ago, I was working at the BBC as a, a manager in studio operations, being in charge of uh, cameras and lighting, <laughs> all those areas. Um, and I guess that was a, I was doing that job in the 80s and early 90s, and it was around that time I knew Gary Russell and John Ainsworth and Nick Briggs and a lot of people who went on to form Big Finish. Mm. And I was just incredibly lucky that about three years ago, Nick Briggs came to me and just offered me the job at Big Finish. Cool. I mean, that they had... The vacancy of the line producer, and uh, he just came to me and offered it. And it, you know, it was a life-changing job opportunity. I mean, I've, I've loved it. It's, it's in, been the best thing I've ever done. In what way? What's the most rewarding thing to you about your day? Just, activity? just it. It, it, it sounds so cliche, but it, it, it is a real family feel to Big Finish. I mean, mm. not only working in the studio, but just the the core of people who work on it. I mean, Jason and Nick. <laughs> And Paul Sprague, who works with us in the office, it's, it's, you know, the, the, we we genuinely get on very well. And what amazes me is that in a small company where there could be lots of friction or personality clashes, there aren't. You know, we we just everybody is very comfortable in what they're doing. They've got huge respect for mm. the other person. You know, and, and Nick is an inspiring person to work with. You know, he he encourages you to run with what you enjoy doing, what you're good at. Okay. And it lets you explore that to to your full capacity. And, and Jason, as a boss, is the best boss I've ever had. <laughs> you know, he is. I, you know, I, I, I say this to his face. You know, he's, he's, he's incredibly encouraging and kind and supportive. And, hmm. you know, it's just the best place to work. There's a very family attitude hmm. here. There is. Um, and th- that comes all the way down from Jason and, and Nick. You know, that's... That, that was the way the company was set up, and we, we you know, everybody's encouraged to, you know, just enjoy it. You know, we're making Doctor Who. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating process, Doctor. And you you lead nicely into the next question, actually. Um, what was your view of Doctor Who before you started to actually work directly with it? Well, I've, I've I mean, I grew up as a, a very hardcore Doctor Who. Fan. <laughs> you know, back in the nineteen seventies, I was um, a huge fan. I was going to conventions and. Uh, you know, just experience from from being a fan. Who was um, your doctor? Uh, my doctor. Well, I, I guess I grew up with John Pertwee. Okay. Uh, my strongest memory, my strongest first memory, is Spearhead from Space in the Autons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really terrifying. Um, 
And I think around the mid-70s, I, I got to make some very good friends through Doctor Who circles, and I met a young guy called Justin Richards, okay. who's since gone on to <laughs> edit the Target books. I got to know Gary Russell um, and Andy Lane and uh, the part of Craig Hinton and you know, lots of people who then went on to work on Doctor Who professionally. The irony being is everybody in the 90s went on to to be very successful making Doctor Who and I, I got a bit jealous because I wasn't. You know, I, was, I was still doing other jobs and thinking... Well, clearly your time has come. Yeah, I, I, I always wished it could happen to me and then, you know, just one day that phone call happened and cool. I, I got I got to do this, which, as I say, is the best thing I've ever done. OK, maybe a couple of general Doctor Who questions then. Mm-hmm. Um, is Doctor Who a kids' programme? No, it's a family programme. Hmm. I... I I, I've always felt that, you know, I, I loved it as a kid and I still love it mm. in my 40s. Um, well, I always will love it. Mm. Um, it's very much a continuing drama rather than a yeah. children's show. Yeah. I, 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 although I'm making Doctor Who on mm. audio, I'm sitting there with everybody watching it on Saturday nights and absolutely adoring it. You know, the last series, the Stephen Moffat, Matt Smith series, I thought it was phenomenal. It's, I, you know, it, it, it's... If, even if I wasn't here making Doctor Who, I would be, I would be a fan again, loving the new series. So I guess, having consumed the show in such an avid way, that the chance to make the Lost stories must be something that you're really, really excited about. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing was, I'd, I've said this before, I remember being there in 1985 when that series of Doctor Who didn't happen. Mm. Um, and it was gutting and disappointing, and we, we, we knew these things about it. We knew there was going to be a celestial toy maker story... We knew there was going to be a Sill story, and then it never happened. So when I got the chance, and I, I really did lobby to make this. I mean, it was, <laughs> was, it was it much for you? Yeah, well, it was me badgering Jason and Nick, and I, 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 it wasn't an original suggestion. Other people had made it, but um, I think it was probably just I made it at the right time. Okay. Um, and we got the go-ahead, and Series 1 was was very successful so mm. you know we're very lucky here we are doing series two and it's the the sylvester series that was made. and i think the, there's some first and second doctor adventures coming out soon as well yes um i've actually, literally just the week, this weekend i signed off on uh, the first doctor box set wow. and uh farewell great macedon mm. sounds fantastic actually i'm so so proud of that. Um, it's, it's one of those Doctor Who stories that will have you crying by the end. Well, William Russell's a fantastic actor as well. He is, he is. And, and, and Caroline Fall mm. is really good in it. And we've got John Dorney playing Alexander the Great, which he does brilliantly. <laughs> um, it's uh, and Toby Robinson, who runs our studio, did the sound design and music on that, and he's made it... He's done it in a way that really builds. It, it, it's, it's a really powerful story. So yes, a lot of big emotions in that. Big actually, can I ask a production question about this? Actually, so, um, from what my understanding is that the the two first Doctor adventures are very much uh, expanded audio books. Yes. Where the second Doctor uh, adventures are full cast dramas. The second uh, Prison in Space. Prison in Space is sorry. an expanded audio book. The Dalek story, the Terry Nation Dalek pilot. Uh, the, dest- the Destroyers, the Destructors? Destroyers. The Destroyers. Yeah, that's, it's kind of a hybrid, actually. It has elements of audiobook, but it also has full cast scenes as well. Rather like a Companion Chronicle. Yeah, actually more so than a Companion Chronicle. It's, it's, it's just that bit further along. There are full cast scenes in there. We had 
I think, five actors in on the day. So we were able wow. to push that a bit more. OK, well, I have to ask, who are your heroes? My heroes? Mm. Oh, blimey. Um, God, that's such a hard question. I'd like to ask questions that make, that make the interview have to think. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's lots of actors I really love, and I would love to get into Big Finish, and I guess, you know, I admire them in a, in a, in a certain way. I mean, there's people like Idris Elba, Idris or Idris Elba, who's in The Wire, um, and in Luther, and uh, I just think he's phenomenal. I would love to get him into a Big Finish. I have asked, and uh, we haven't, we haven't uh, managed to make that work yet, but he's somebody I'd love to work with. <laughs> Similarly, there was an actor who... I really thought was brilliant who I tried to get into Big Finish and he wasn't able to by the name of Matt Smith and I suspect, I suspect the reason he wasn't able to do it when I asked was because uh, he was actually already contracted to the BBC ser- series and nobody knew about it but so the judgement was absolutely the bang on there but yeah I think Lisa Bowen and I were always talking about actors and uh, we, we were chatting away about this Matt Smith who we desperately wanted to get his big finish because he was phenomenal. What happens? He's the new Doctor and we never knew. Well, it, it, just, it just proves that you know, your, your, your producer's judgment is, is absolutely sad and bang on. Well, do you, actually, I, I was talking to Lisa about this the other day and that we loved him, but we, I, I'd never thought of him as the Doctor. But I don't know why, because he's such a brilliant choice and he's, he's, he's fantastic at it. And, you know, I wish I had seen that, actually, which makes me mm. think, you know, Stephen Moffat. He's <laughs> 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 much more cleverer than I am. <laughs> this may be an easy and obvious question, but which of the productions which you've released so far, bearing in mind when this will go out, are you most satisfied with so far? Which is, or I should say, which is your personal favourite? My personal favourite. Mm. I have to say... Going for one which wasn't from a line that I um, creatively produce, I have to say A Death in the Family, which I was coming out mm-hmm. in October, is, I, in my opinion, one of the best things Big Finish has ever made. Okay. Um, I, I just think it's a stunning piece of work by Stephen Hall, and the performances are quite astounding. I just... I, I'm just desperate for that to come out so we can see people's reactions. I, I just love it. The range seems to go from strength to strength. I mean, I well, the, the, hopefully. I mean, the, 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 we, we, we do work so, so hard on them, and I just really hope that, you know, we, we, we do. How can Big Finish expand its audience? My, my, a concern we have on the podcast sometimes is that we love, this, we, we love the output, but we're fans, mm. and... Sometimes our work is to show, or my work personally, is to say to someone, I only like the new series. Okay, part one is to introduce them to the old series, and then to say, well, okay, now, have a look at some of this audio stuff. The Jago and Lightfoot, if you will just listen to it for more than ten minutes, it's like, you're hooked. It's wonderful stuff. But how, how, what plans do Big, do Big Fish have to expand the audience? Well, I mean, I guess there's two prongs for that. One is marketing. We're starting to get a bit cannier on how to market it, so... Um, We've been doing things like um, the free downloads with Doctor Who magazine, yeah, yeah, yeah. which basically gives an episode, no cost, to every reader of Doctor Who magazine if they choose to download it. Yeah. And we've seen people coming in from that. We're going to do something similar with other um, outlets soon. Cool. Um, I'm just waiting for confirmation from uh, from one publisher who might be doing something similar. I think in a slightly uh, selfish way, all I want to know is that this is going onward and upward. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, that's 
that's des- you know we're, we're desperate to uh, they're desperate that's the wrong word we, we, we you know we're keen to get as many people involved i, d- I mean i thought getting more people is a good thing well, what we've also got to do is i guess try and convince people not to torrent that's that's the biggest threat to yeah. finish is that you know for as many people we have buying the cds there are also thousands of people who are just taking it online for nothing and you know that they probably feel that there's no you know there's there's no hurt involved but there is a huge cost to us in doing that entirely so i mean this is this is slightly uh, a, a slightly different point but i, th- I think we're both of, of, of an age where we're used to information being a Privilege. Mm-hmm. I, you go to a university, you go to a theatre, you go to read a book. Mm-hmm. But there's, but there is a generation which is maybe twenty years old now, mm-hmm. which sees information as a right. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, it's one of the things. Music and audio is always going to be a mm-hmm. difficult thing because people have believe they have a right to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Do you, have, do you have any thoughts or feelings about that? Well, I mean, it's very hard. When it is interesting because. You know, having worked on this now and having having done this, now, and you see something being put up on a torrent site for people to take, and I, 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 you know, I just sit there and I think of all the hard work we put into that because you know, all of us at Big Finish, we work seven days a week. You know, this morning before coming to the studio, I was up at five a.m. Wow. going through edits, going through scripts. You know, it's, it's long hours and it's a long hard job, and we love it. You know, we we love it to bits, but I, th- I think when the final result is if somebody's just taking it and not paying for it. I th- you know that's desperately upsetting because you know just one production. I, th- I spend a year mm. on that. You know, a, a writer has has put their heart and soul into that script, and you know just somebody's just taking it without buying the CD. It's, it's desperately upsetting. I think it's one of those things where when you're young, it's like oh, it's not gonna, Madonna's not going to miss my quid, is she? But when you get old and you start generating the music, it's like well. If you don't pay me for this, yeah. then I can't make any more. Yeah, well, I mean, and desperately, and more so with Big Finish because um, <laughs> you know we're a small company and we only have the money that's coming in to fund the next production, really. So that's why you know we always say that we value our subscribers and they're our lifeblood, but they really are. They, you know, they're they're paying for the productions to get made. As a wise man once said, big f- uh, subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Why don't we try to do that? You know, we really try to look after subscribers because without them, yeah. we wouldn't be here. I think we can go to more general Doctor Who things, if that's right with you. Uh, Favourite questions. Uh, if you could have one Doctor Who flavoured wish, what hmm. would it be? And actually, as you're a fan, I can think of another quite good question for you. One Doctor Who flavoured wish? Hmm. Um... It'd be nice. I suppose it'd be nice if all the missing episodes were returned. <gasps> they found all those. Oh. I, I, I guess what, one big wish is that you know the, the show, as it's being made at the minute, remains as successful and, and good as it is. I, you know, mm. as, I, as I said before, I'm a huge fan of the series as it is at the minute, and I just want to see more of it. So, I go with that. Yeah. It, it does seem that the show since 2005 has returned in the way that I remember it being when I first watched it in the 70s. Mm. I mean, clearly with the DVDs, we can see that's not the case, but it looks like I, I think it looks like the fans always believed it should look, mm. which is quite lovely. Mm. Um, You've partially led me into the next question for a fan, um, which is, which existing story from the canon would you swap for a missing story? <laughs> That's a mean question. <laughs> it is, rather. Um, of the missing stories. Of the missing stories, I'd like to see the Dalek master plan. Ooh. Let me think. Twelve, uh, a 12-episode epic. 
uh, with Kevin Stoney being fabulously bonkers as Mavic yeah, Chen. That'd be fantastic. In terms of giving one up, I don't think I'd better say because I could have been so many <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that could be, yeah, sorry, it doesn't put you in a difficult position. I think. Well, whatever I choose, I'll offend somebody I'll work with. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, fine. We should leave it there. It would be nice to have the Dalek Master Perbeck for something. Yes. Okay. Um, what, if anything, have you learned from your involvement with Doctor Who? I don't know. I mean, in terms of the job, I've learned huge amounts. I mean, a lot of what I'm doing now I'd never done before. I'd never worked in audio before. I think it was a crash course in what an audio production is about. And, you know, even just from the point of view of learning how an audio script has to be written. So, you know, just getting to grips with what can be carried by sound. I mean, it's interesting that when some writers can write a script where they feel they have to describe what they're seeing and you know the more you make audio the more you realize there's so much you can just sell on performance and sound mm. effects cues and music the pictures are very much better in audio yeah yeah, yeah. um I, i'm thinking back to as i, as I mentioned today, i was listening to leviathan uh, on the on the way down to see mm. you today and it's huge mm. absolutely immense but there was also um the glorious revolution uh, which is quite, which, quite, which I think you must you must have made about about a year ago now, seven months ago. Yeah, probably longer. Gosh, I can't remember. That, that that was wonderful, particularly because Fraser Hines does such a brilliant impression of Patrick, a vocal impression yeah, yeah. of Patrick Troughton, which yeah. is kind of touching. Yeah. Uh, as well as being just amazing to witness, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got Fraser coming in again next week, actually, for to do a bit more of that. So. Hooray! It's quite <laughs> fabulous. Um, I think. Well, let's think. If I have one final question, let's make it a good one. What can I ask you? Yes. Where would you like to see Big Finish go next? What, you know, what, what, what ambitions do you have for the brand and the range? Well, I've got a cliche. I'd love to see it go from strength to strength. Um, hmm. I'd like to see... I don't know. I know this is very much a dream of Nick and Jason. There's um, maybe a few broadened horizons, maybe a bit more drama that's not sci-fi. Okay. Of which there are plans. <laughs> Is Barnaby Edwards not doing something? Oh, that was the, doing the, yeah, but, but um, textbook stuff is a separate company that right. sells through us. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we've got a few plans in the fire, which uh, plans in the fire, in the fire <laughs> which will be announced soon. Um, some very different stuff you'll be seeing from us. You know, that's my my only hope for big finishes. You know that we continue to be successful. That we're, you know, we we get the chance to carry on making Doctor Who because I mean. Is, is, is the strange thing is, is that just the wealth of ideas. I mean, you know, people say mm. that you know that we're making a lot of stuff, but we've got a lot of ideas, really. You know, Jay Good Life was an idea that we came up with. Oh. That we just had to make. You know, so. Do you know? It felt very much. A, a t- you may or may not remember at the end of the Mahogany Murders. There's the the lovely interview, little interviewettes that uh, that you do with the cast, and it's almost as if the idea is being, is happening right there and then. I think it might even be be be, be, be that says we should get you in to do a series, do yeah. a series of these. You do, we kind of did actually because on the day Chris and Trevor, who hadn't seen each other for, mm. for years, just came back together and they were so good together and became. I mean, there's a friendship that developed again on that day that went on. To develop, I mean, they, they socialise together, you know, <laughs> all from doing the Mahogany Murderers, and it, it, that's just a series that's really grown out of love. I think, um, just from Lisa and I really enjoying working with the pair of them, and then other people became involved. Alex Mallinson, um, who's acted in Jago and Life and does the, which I think quite brilliant cover artwork for it and cover oh. design, oh. again loves it. 
and um, but my hope for Jake and Lightfoot is that grows and grows. We've just recorded the the third series, which Ooh. I have to say I think is my favourite. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. It's yeah, so entertaining. I, I, I think um, we've got a few surprises up our sleeves for Jago and Lightfoot, so I'm <laughs> interested to see how people react. And the, and the Iris range as well is always very good. Yeah, I'm a, um, more plans for Iris stuff um, in the future. But, uh, <laughs> David, what can I say? Thank you so much for being so My generous pleasure. with your time. Um, what, what can we say? Pfft, subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. Thank you. I missed a lot of stories. <laughs> Okay, so there we have it, straight from the producer's mouth, and I think it, it, it's interesting to hear David talking quite so candidly, and of course, if you want to interact with David, um, you can find him very openly in uh, the forums on Gallifrey Base. He is the cryptically named producer. Now, one of the things that, or one of the questions that I see asked most often, or I hear asked most often uh, at conventions and around the Big Finish tables, because they do have a strong presence there, is... If I'm new to Big Finish, what stories should I listen to? Um, and I'd like to include an element of you know, personal bests and maybe, uh, well, I won't say personal, I don't have a personal worst, but I have some stories that I wouldn't revisit in a hurry, put it that way. Um, but James, given that you are our subject matter expert here, if, you ha- if there was someone <laughs> new to Big Finish, what, would, what, what story or stories would you say absolutely have a listen to this? Okay, well, I'd like to be really innovative and come up with some brand new stories that people tend not to recommend when asked these kinds of questions. But in all honesty, I think a lot of the early classics are self-contained stories and you don't need to have listened to six or seven plays to understand it and enjoy it as fully. Um, Yet I really enjoyed some of those intricate stories as well. But I'm going to say, I'm going to have a couple, I'm afraid. I'm going to say Chimes of Midnight and the Holy Terror. Um, And again, those two aren't particularly uncommon choices but one that doesn't get mentioned very often that is self-contained and I would suggest people take a listen to is something called Live 34. Now that's a bit of an innovative play it plays with the formats there's no opening or closing theme tunes to the four episodes there and it's all played through a radio show and it's a seventh doctor story with Ace and Hex and it's done incredibly well it's a very well thought out story and one that is, is, is quite a unique play in my experience. So, yeah, the three for me, Chimes of Midnight, Holy Terror, and Live 34. Um, in terms of ones to avoid, or ones that I didn't enjoy, I'm going to say The Rapture, which is The Seventh Doctor Does Ibiza, and it doesn't work very well. Uh, that's one that I wouldn't be revisiting in a, in, in a great hurry. And Legends of the Cybermen, which is a more recent Mark Platt story. And I'm not particularly keen on many of Mark Platt's scripts, but I had absolutely no idea what was going on there. Trev, what stories would you recommend? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose I'd be a bit different to what James is saying and say I really enjoyed Storm Warning, which was the first Eighth Doctor story, which was the first Charlie story, which, which began the whole who is Charlie um, why is she still alive type of arc. Mm. So it, it's a little bit different to James in that um, while Storm Warning, to a certain extent, is a very much a bottle episode, um, it does set up a lot of fantastic stuff which resonates through a lot of the Eighth Doctor story. Okay. And uh, what story would you say, all right, swerve that one maybe? Oh, well, um, I'm going to have to disagree with James, I'm afraid. Live 34 what? What? annoyed me 
probably because it's so different to the rest of the range that it is done as a radio show. It is done to a certain extent without the main characters featuring in the story mm. because it's done from a very third-person point of view, and it annoyed me no end. Interesting. Okay, well, unusually, I'm going to agree with Trevor about this, um, for newcomers to Big Finish, I'd say go straight to Storm Warning for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's McGann's first story, um, so it sets him up nicely, and it opens up the world of the Eighth Doctor, um, but it also introduces a new companion named Charlie Pollard, so you've got this whole new start uh, available to you through there. Um, a classic that the... Uh, that most fans would refer to would be Spare Parts, which is uh, an interesting view of the creation of the Cybermen. Uh, And if you wanted to take a slight sideways step and you're a fan of the classic series, um, I've just finished listening to Gallifrey 4, which is part of the Doctor Who range, but it's slightly sideways in as much as the Doctor per se doesn't really drive the action too much. Um, But there is a a truly lovely... uh, couple of scenes or a truly lovely scene i should say where um the origin of the whole show is exposed in a very fanciful and very very effective way okay then well listeners we've been talking for a very very long period of time here hopefully by the time it gets into your ears it will all be edited into a nice condensed intelligible discussion what are the chances of that happening tom well yes (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. I think we probably better move on. But big finish is is such an incredibly big subject, and if you were to consider the number of stories that they've produced over the last twelve years now, you're almost certainly well in excess of the number of TV episodes and stories of Doctor Who that have uh, that have been produced over the last forty five years or so. It's it is very difficult to analyse it in an objective fashion, and clearly everyone's got their own favourite stories. Everyone's got their own opinions on it. So we quite like to hear yours. So if you have a particular favourite episode or big finish episode that you want to talk about in a very brief email, then as always, please feel very very welcome to get in touch with us. Our email address is feedback at the Doctor Who Podcast dot com. And in the meantime, I think we'll be back in about seven days' time. That's right, isn't it? Tom, if you haven't uh, gone into therapy after editing this particular show. <laughs> yes, well, we'll see. I th- I th- to be honest with you, I might have to get a depth in. <laughs> just, just get someone to cover my particular <laughs> space for me. <laughs> well, Trev and I will be back in a week or so from now. So, in the meantime... Here's to Tom Baker appearing in the Big Finish range in 2012. Yeah. See you next week, Perfect. guys. All right, take it easy. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye. That was the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at the Doctor Who podcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at the Doctor Who podcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.